0: Here's Neymar now, Cabani is there. And the Saint Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalupa Cabano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Toma.
1: Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.
2: Whisper it quietly. We might have a title race on our hands in France as Neymar lets PSG crash at Rennes while brilliant Leon puts six past Angers. New boys Benedetto and Ben fire blanks leaving Marseille and Monaco red-faced. And the eagerly anticipated ass-breast finishes all square. Welcome along to Le Bourge, the official Ligue 1 podcast. We have a lot to talk about after a a very eventful weekend, round two in France. And uh, with me, Matt Spiro, with me uh, this week, I have uh, another excellent panel. Andy Scott making his second successive uh, appearance, which is uh, which is perhaps a first. Andy, welcome along. Hi Matt, great
1: to be here again. I'm just back from Istanbul last week. Istanbul? Last week you were just back from Canada? Yeah. You're, you're okay? I'm, I'm great, yeah. I was in Istanbul to see the Super Cup, which had a French flavour to it, because of course the referee was Stéphanie Frappard, and one of her assistants, Manuela Nicolosi, was French as well, so it was great to see them taking charge of the Super Cup. And there was plenty, and of Chelsea. Uh, plenty of plenty of 1. Former league on talent on plenty of former league talent on display, and also it, it made me realise how many former league on players now play in Turkey. Amongst them, Jean-Michel Seri, who's just joined Galatasaray. There you go. True, and he might, might soon be joined. Be joined. He soon. might be joined by Radamel Falcao
2: soon, but we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to introduce Robbie Thompson, our um, veteran, our veteran Australian, who's reeling after Steve Smith's Body blows in the ashes, but uh, also after PSG's defeat at Rennes last night. Hi, Robbie.
3: Good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, a, a huge weekend. Great for the drama of Ligue 1. A little bit uh, a shock to the system if you are a Paris fan. But uh, look, it was a, a good weekend. All things considered, I think for the French First Division. Yes, well, it's
2: certainly uh, it's certainly enticing now with Lyon looking so strong. Armel Tangi was uh, was busy. As ever this weekend, commentating, putting together the, uh, the highlight show. How are you, Armel?
4: I'm feeling okay, actually. Yeah, it was a busy weekend, but pleased to be here.
2: <laughs> early, early in the season. I, I, I managed to catch quite a lot of the action, but you might hear in my voice, I had a fairly heavy weekend. I was, I was back in England for my cousin's wedding. Congratulations, Emma and David. Um, fantastic bash. Let's, uh, let's move <laughs> on with the show. And of course... We do often start with Paris Saint-Germain, but it's so unusual that Paris Saint-Germain lose. This time uh, last season, they were winning. Of course, they won the first 14. They, were, they didn't drop points until December. But last night at Roazon Park, this happened.
0: Salah has been caught out here. And Edinson Cavani takes full advantage. Five minutes from half time, And Edinson Cavani has fired the champions in front. The cross in. Mbaynong! Fantastic! What a finish from Mbaynong! Brilliant stuff. 1-1 at Rose on Park. And here's Camavinga, Chipping the ball in. The header! And that's two! Roman del Castillo has given Ren the lead. The referee looks at his watch. It's over! Paris Saint-Germain suffer their first defeat of the 2019-2020 season.
2: Well, we were listening to the dulcet tones of, of Robbie Thompson commentating there. Robbie, um, Paris Saint-Germain beaten. It looked to be going according to plan when there was a pretty awful defensive mix-up and, and Cavani scored. But Arendt, to their credit, came back into it and got a, got a fantastic win.
3: Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Matt, with Wren to their credit, because it was a superb performance from Wren. Perhaps people will say Paris Saint-Germain weren't on top of their game, or it wasn't the best Paris Saint-Germain, that there was no Neymar, that there was this and that. Look, I'm always one for giving credit where it's due, and Wren were exceptional last night. Two weeks ago, they were beaten by Paris Saint-Germain in the Trophy des Champions. Grenier said after the match that they'd learnt from that, they'd watched that match several times, that... Their coach, Julien Stéphane, had put something in place so that they could learn from that and try and, and work out a plan of a way to try and play better. And they did. They were exceptional. They scored the first goal. The equaliser from Mbignong is just a superb piece of finishing from, from the big man was, up front. And uh, look, fully deserve it. I think they deserved this victory more than they did the, the French Cup win last, was there, was uh, last that, was May. Was there
2: complacency, do you think, after Cavani scored? They thought, you know, we, we, we're in second, third gear
3: and we're still winning? I don't think so, but I think we saw a, a Rennes side that, sh- like they did in the cup final, showed such great fight and spirit. And I think that's something that Julien Stefan has put in them. Because let's not forget, they've lost a lot of players over the summer. This is not a, a side that you would expect to, to be able to pull off a performance like this, like this. And they did it not with technique, they did it with a team effort. I mean, it was a, a really, they they stuck to their guns, they followed the orders very well, they did what the coach asked of
1: them, and it paid dividends. Six players, wasn't it, that, that that have gone from the cup mm. final lineup and um, major well, three players as since well. Two weeks ago, yeah, and, and he's well. I mean, he's he's played with a, a back three last night, a sort of different formation, if I'm not mistaken, five, from the team that played in the Probably. cup final. Back well, five, just yeah, but three, about five, three three centre backs, and of course, let's not forget that the, the first goal they gave away. I Me, mean, my my heart sort of sank when that goal went in because mm. how many times you see a Paris Saint Germain game and you you in in league one and you you go into it, you hope that it's going to be a proper contest. And then the opposition gives away a really cheap goal. It's happened so many times. It's what Ren did last night. And at that point, I thought, well, here we go again. But incredibly, they came back into the game brilliantly and went on to win it. It's a fantastic result for them. And um, while well, it obviously raises questions about Paris Saint-Germain, as, as, as you say, we shouldn't take any credit away from, from Ren and from Julien Stephon.
2: Well, it does. It does raise questions about Paris Saint-Germain. And I'm going to ask one question to Armel. We, we've got quite a lot of reaction uh, on social media. You can email us at uh, Podcast at gmail.com or get us uh, on Twitter with the hashtag, hashtag Le Bourgeois. Um I've got Emmanuel Len who is at Triboking on, on Twitter, and he says, Hi Matt, it feels that every time PSG struggle, Thiago Silva comes out with some kind of excuses. This time he talks about the team missing Neymar. Should PSG let go of Thiago too and let the new generation take over? His comment, his comments did not transpire inspiring leadership is that a fair assessment armel do you think tiago Silva is part of the problem there was a lot of talk about neymar you know not being there, which does smack of
4: sort of excuses. True. But I think any team in the world is going to miss Neymar, so while he's not playing, you've just got to forget that and focus on the 11-plus substitutes that are yeah, present And it's 11, you know, it's Mbappe, it's, it's exactly. Cavani, it's exactly. Varaday. They should be capable you, of beating You've Red. got the quality. It's and Thiago Silva as well. It, it, as I was going to say, to go back to the point that uh, our listener has, has put to us, Thiago Silva, whatever you say about his leadership and... That gets questioned pretty much March or April every year, is it, when PSG get knocked out of the Champions League? But he's an exceptional defender. Pretty much every single striker you talk to in Ligue 1 says that he's the best defender they've played against. I don't know why you'd want to drop a guy who's clearly so difficult to play against just because he doesn't answer the press particularly well. He wouldn't have been captain. But well, he wasn't exceptional last night either with Abdou
2: Diallo, he's playing with a new partner. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, after one defeat you need to get rid of
4: Thiago Silva. But you can understand where these comments are coming from. I can, but would you then put all your trust in Presnel Kimpembe stepping up to the plate and playing at the high level that Thiago Silva's played at for the past few years? I I personally would stick with him. He's coming towards the end of his career. If he wants to finish it at Paris Saint-Germain, he's still very good. Let him finish
3: it there. Last season
4: he was excellent and he's just won the Copa America as a first-choice central defender with Brazil as
1: well. And Brazil haven't won a trophy for God knows how long.
3: I honestly I
1: honestly think I I'm in the I'm in the the opposite camp here I actually think that I remember uh, when Ian Holyman spoke to Yuri Jorkaev for the podcast at the end of last season and that yuri Jorkaev memorable meeting made of, some uh, great yeah made some quite um quite uh, strong comments about how PSG needed to rip everything up from inside and start again and while I thought that was maybe a bit excessive I actually think that they, they really needed to be a bit more ruthless with the rebuilding of the squad this summer And I think that Tiago Silva I mean, he's the same age as me. He's not old, I hope, but he is getting on a bit in terms of being a top-level footballer. He has shown some weaknesses in big games in the recent past, as we alluded to, with their elimination from the Champions League. And I kind of thought, looked at it and thought, well, it's about time they started phasing him out and they don't seem to be doing that. I mean, I've I've seen similar
2: struggles from you on the five side pitch recently in the last in the last year or two. You're not. You know we've played together who for a long time. Come on, forward, brave, likes yeah. to get on the ball, but in those five side games, you've got to get back, Andy. I've told you that on a number of occasions. Yeah. Robbie, how serious is this? It's one defeat, but the, the thing is, Robbie, well, every time okay. every time PSG lose, it doesn't happen often. There's a big reaction in France, and I've been looking at everybody. So uh, our friend on Canal Plus, Pierre Menes, has been saying it's a disgrace that they've got one of the best fastest attackers in world football, and they're playing him on the left wing, Kylian Mbappe, who struggled to get any chances last night. We've had people on social media saying, oh, Ariola, he doesn't save anything, Ariola Should he have saved Mbignot? And the thing is, every time, you know, Marquinhos playing in
3: midfield, people you're, are going to... getting me all worked up for, for my very first coup girl, Matt, but I, I'm, I'm going to resist because the, these knee-jerk reactions are obviously something that... that so it's are, not serious. For you, this is just a blip it's not a a, a knee jerk reaction is not what's required at this stage when you when you play for a club like Paris Saint-Germain when you're the coach when you're looking at it you have to analyze the situation saying suddenly just taking aim at all the players and the coaching staff because yesterday the reaction was quite remarkable to people calling for Thomas Tuchel's head saying he's got to go he's got to go Ariola the 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 criticism leveled at Ariola i can't think of a single goalkeeper in the world that would have saved that first goal from Mbignog. There was no way near it. However, the second one, yes, I would say he probably should have come for it. And probably somewhere there is a a little confidence crisis or something with Alphonse where there is a lot of pressure on him. He should have come for it there. He had a great chance to prove himself and he didn't do it. But when you say it's a loss, it's the first loss for Paris Saint-Germain in the first two games of the season since 2011, I think it's the first away loss for the first game of the season since Claude McAuley. Was playing for Paris Saint-Germain.
2: Robbie, we got we got a lot of questions on Twitter. There's a lot of reaction. It's almost as if people are happy PSG have lost the game. But uh, <laughs> I've got I've got this question from Richmond in in Ghana. Um, he is uh, coffee underscore Gano uh, on Twitter, and he says he's a big fan of this league, and he wants to know why Tuchel hasn't given Idrissa Gana uh, a start yet. We've seen Marquinhos again in 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 the midfield. It it is early days, but. Why
3: why well, why is Gay not playing at the moment? Garner-Gay only started training on Monday okay. with the team and uh, and hasn't played do you a, see a competitive him to stop match there. since. <laughs> do you see the him African as a first choice? Do you, do you see Marquinhos in this holding role as a kind of permanent or I think Marquinhos didn't start the match in midfield yesterday. He well, he started in midfield and then dropped back into central defense after about 5 minutes when they they changed their formation. Killian moved from the left wing into a central striking role alongside Uh, Edinson Cavani in the first half they moved around a lot and perhaps that's what people are finding confusing when they watch the match of football they think the players look a little bit lost Marquinhos is playing too deep because we saw in the lineup at the start of the match that he was meant to be playing in midfield why is he playing so deep these are all tactical changes the players don't make these decisions on their own they 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 move the way they've been told to play same with Killian he was playing up front in the middle alongside Cavani Cavani didn't have a great game Killian was the biggest threat for Paris Saint-Germain, particularly in the second oh. half, playing in that wide role on the left, trying to set up options. So if you play him in the middle, who's going to supply the crosses? Do now, we've know? just got... Sorry, Andy, we've got, a, we've got a very important question on Twitter from
2: Jack the Gooner, who says, Matt, can you get Verratti to Arsenal? Thanks. Um, so I'll answer that one. No. Um, not, not at the moment, I'm afraid. Um, another one, hide at, this is from at hide the safe. Um, it's Monjo's dawn disciple. That's it. That's his name. I, I don't really understand how Twitter works, but thank you for your message. He
1: says, "What changes will come from this PSG loss?" So it's kind of continuing this this theme. Andy, uh... sorry, I'm just a bit skeptical because because you know if if Paris Saint Germain had won that game five or six nil last night, then we would have been getting jipes about how it's, it's too easy for them, whatever. Mm. You know, Farmers League, this classic uh, insult that for some reason some people seem to throw at Ligue 1. Um, the reality is that teams are allowed to lose football matches. It happens every now and again. In the not-too-distant past, it was quite acceptable for a team who would go on to win the league to lose six, seven or eight games playing, the season. Playing
2: to lose next weekend, Andy, what, what changes would you make to that 11?
1: To that starting 11?
3: Yeah. Um, it I depends mean, I, on I fitness think, levels, I think, Matt. It depends on, yeah, on who th- trains well. And you can't say that looking from the outside. We don't know what goes on on the, on the training <laughs> pitch.
1: I, I, I think I do think that one change. That I think they, I think they have a problem at right back. I think that's clear. I think that um, well, we talked about Thiago Silva. I think uh, as time goes on, I think I think what they need to look at doing is playing Marquinhos in central defence and bringing in whether it be Idrissa Gay or probably Ander Herrera to play in that position. And you might well be looking at Gay, Veratti, and Herrera in a midfield three get Draxler out of the starting lineup because I just don't think anybody really knows how to play him and get the best out of him in that team. There are lots of things that Thomas Tuchel needs to sort out. Of course Neymar is a separate issue, but you know when the Toulouse game comes around next weekend, I think they've lost one of the last 60 odd home games. They'll win that game and we'll move on and they'll be in a very strong position. It's one defeat and let's not rush to 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 too many uh, conclusions at this stage and can we just also think that last season they won 14 in
3: a row and everyone just said but that's so it's so normal it's so easy what Andy was just saying let's put some things in perspective and say now looking back that performance was exceptional that no one gave them credit for at the time to win 14 in a row happened once in Europe's top five leagues before and it was only 11 and it was back in the 1960s so look let's not just say who did it it's all all too easy, a London-based team. I remember
2: Arsenal won 13 in a row to win the title in 98. Not starting the irrelevant. season. Not starting the season.
4: Back to league. 1, is it about the right time, Matt, for us to praise ren and players in particular for the way that they uh, played. I think we have Armel but I'm, have?
2: I'm pleased that you because you your bretonness <laughs> exactly. is coming through and ren have got
4: 6 points. I, I, I was also going players. to going to ask Robbie who the last team PSG lost to in August was because I think it was Lorient. Lorient? So in August, I yes. think there's Back you know in fa- factor in the fact that but that was the opening the game day of the Qatar. But you're right you're right uh, ren. No, you're right Armel. <laughs> Bretons stay in Brittany in August. It's the only region where you can have that sort of support in August in France. So I think it's that's difficult just, for Paris. Very can trainer, I just mention
1: two just things about Rennes in relation to Rennes? It's the one thing that I've never actually discussed with anybody before, but every time I see a game at Roson Park, it always strikes me. Those massive yoghurt pots at the, in the yeah. corner flags. Mm. I love that. Not, is there yoghurt inside them? No, but if you look back at archive footage of Roson Park, it used to be milk.
4: So it's oh, well, t- it's churned but it's a over dairy time, yeah. Of yeah, course, in yeah. <laughs> Britain, is famous it's famous for It's the, no the other
1: thing, the other thing I like about Roison Park, it struck me. I was there during the Women's World Cup in the summer, and it struck me last night. It's got the best sunsets in Ligue 1. Mm. There was Ooh. a brilliant one just before kickoff, wasn't yeah. there? It was fantastic. The Stadium
4: Municipal in Toulouse might have a word with you about that
1: if we
3: let's talk about ren i want to talk about i want to talk about i know who you want to talk yeah. about wanna, luckily fortunately we talked about him last week and got in just a, well, a step ahead I'm, of I'll, the, I'll
2: give armel credit because he was talking about eduardo yeah. camavinga last season how old is he Matt? he's 16 16 <laughs> and nine months my claim last week that perhaps there was some confusion and he might be 17 and um, that was me getting it wrong so he is he's 16 and nine months he made his debut when he was 16 and one month or two months and uh Armel, who who does have an eye for talent, I can confirm that. Picked him out last night, you know, up against Verratti and Marquinhos. Uh, I've I've been reading the stats in the paper this morning, and he's top of all the you know completed passes, balls recuperated, and uh, you know what a talent. And I know that. And Andy, yeah, Ar- Armel's looking like he wants to talk a bit I d- about I know Camavinga.
4: Andy knows a little bit more about than me about his background, but uh, I'd just like to put a word in for the. Julien Stefan and the work he did with him to bring him through last season. Obviously he was helped by the fact that Rennes won the Coupe de France and like Strasbourg who won the Coupe de la Ligue then were able to sort of take their foot off the gas a little bit at the end of the season and give a chance perhaps to these younger players who thrown into a high-pressure situation might not have developed in quite the same way. But if you look at the way Camavinga was given his chance... First, it was a few minutes at the end of games, then he started games, he'd be taken off with about 10 minutes to go or so. Now he's playing 90 every week. It's really been progressive, the perfect sort of start to a career. So hats off to Julien Stefan. The situation has made it better for him, but it's really given us a, a brilliant talent to watch.
1: Andy? Yeah, no, no, I was just just uh, going to talk a bit about Kamavinga's um, background as well, because he is, I mean, he is only 16, he was a really young kid, and... Um... Uh, you I know, there we've, was, there was uh, we've, an, we've made that clear. An, an, <laughs> have, you, have you got anything to add? Or? 17 no, in November. <laughs> <Is it>? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's just, I mean, just reading an interesting um, sort of bit of background about him at the weekend and just pointing out that he's one of six children. Um, he's born in Angola. He moved to France when he was just two, which is not that long ago because he's only 16. Um, his parents fled Angola. They moved to Lille in the far north of France, and then they ended up being um, set up in Fougere, which is, I think it's in Brittany. It's not far away from Rennes. It's also a plant. There a go. fern. In French. There you hey? go. I didn't know that, but there you go. And Rennes um, academy is, and is, is Yeah, and he, and he mm. ended up getting sort of picked up by Rennes from there. And uh, a quite sad story as well. They were put into a house in, in Fougere, which then promptly burnt down, and they lost everything. And they had to kind of start again from scratch. So a very, very difficult um, background for him to Have to you got any from.
2: idea how old he is?
1: I have a rough idea, thanks to the official statistics uh, provided to us by the French league. I just want to say, Andy, as well. In fact, everybody. I think,
2: I'm, I'm. I think if you're a Ren fan, you know, I don't want to speak in their place, but I'd be kind of like happy and not happy at the moment because Mm. there was so much excitement in the spring. Julien Stefan is clearly a really good manager, and uh, you know they've produced a great performance last night. But you look at it and you think, well, actually, how well, how far can this Ren team go when they've sold six starting players? And I, I just think there's a lack of ambition in terms of, in terms of the recruitment because, you know, they've mm. got a lot of money for Ismail Assar. They've lost, you know... They we still we, have we, a couple we, of weeks we, left. We, we can do the list. There's still a couple of weeks left and I know they're being linked with Maxime Gonelon. I think mm. Gonelon would be a good signing. They haven't really replaced Benjamin André, have they, in the, yeah. in, in the midfield? So they need somebody there. But I just felt in the spring, this is a club with great potential. We know that Francois Pino is a very wealthy man. They've, they've, they've got the backing... Um, behind the scenes, but it doesn't seem to materialise in terms of the football team, and I just feel that this sort of sleeping—it's not really a giant, is it? Sleeping well, dwarf, what would you say? Dwarf? No, no. Sweet, <laughs> dwarf, sleeping, normal size, size football club. Sized football club. <laughs> Sleep, should, You know, could and should be, be be pushing on, and I think I can't see Ren fin- You know, if they have an amazing season, they'll finish fifth. But. but
3: they did have a fantastic year last year in Europe as well, with those mm. home wins over over well, Betis, I mean, they, they only over got Wow, they well, were they were great saying, results Robbie. for a side. They, it was their best European season.
2: Let's let's mm. let's go on. I, I don't want to end on a negative note when Rennes have 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 done so well, but we do need to move on because there's 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 a lot to talk about. As I said at the top of the show, and um, Robbie, what a weekend you've had! Not only did you commentate Rennes against PSG, you commentated Lyon against Angers on Friday night. It was
3: a busy weekend for me and a, and a good one. Nice plenty way to go- start the plenty weekend. Plenty of
2: goals, Robbie. Let's
0: let us let us hear some of them. Oh still going. All the way! And with just ten minutes on the clock, Olympic Lyonnais are in front. It falls to Dembélé. Is this the chance for two? He doesn't need too many chances, does he? Ah, what? With Depay. The chance for three! Lyon are enjoying a fine opening half of football here. They lead Angers by three goals to nil. It's a fantastic pass, it's a lovely finish, and things are just getting better for Olympic Lyonnais. Oh, straight through Boutel, and that's five. Depay, oh, fantastic, little drop of the shoulder, and the pass. And what a moment for the substitute, Jean-Lucas.
2: 6-0. Robbie, what a performance. It was uh, the first game at the uh, Grupama Stadium since Janinho's appointment as sporting director, since Silvino took charge. We we saw an incredible ovation, an incredible tifo for for Janinho, who, just in case you don't know, is uh, a club legend, a Brazilian midfielder, not the one who played for Middlesbrough, the one who was absolutely sensational for was it eight or nine years at, at Lyon. He scored 43 kicks, including... Forty-four
3: absolute direct 44. free kicks in a hundred goals for Leon. Okay, I, yeah. I thought it was forty. Well, you missed four, and some <laughs> yeah, some
2: extraordinary ones. And Robbie, you know, it's 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 early days for Janino. He's Best. he's obviously not not behind all the recruitment this summer, and he's 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 finding his feet as is Silvino. But what a first game,
3: six nil against Angers. Fantastic. He didn't score a free kick in this game of the six against Angers, um, but I think his presence certainly. There is a great feeling around the club, and I think that's what they needed, perhaps more than anything else, after the Genesio years, which, where the fans just weren't won over. A lot of people commenting after the match saying this was a match that perhaps Leon wouldn't have won last season, given their their inconsistencies. Certainly, what we saw was a Leon side that took their chances, that uh, that didn't waste opportunities to score. Uh, Dembele hardly touched a football before before he got his first goal in, in on thirty minutes. Um, Usem Awa is playing very, very well. I have to admit, I haven't seen the whole game, but I've seen the goals. I've seen
2: some clips from Usem Awa. What a performance.
3: It was. And it was interesting. We saw tactically, and perhaps this is a. a we've got a couple of questions I know about what, why were Leon so good and what has Silvino done. It's interesting. He's a four man, man defence man. And he said, We will always play basically with four at the back. And the two fullbacks in this modern era where we just see fullbacks bombing forward all the time coaches trying to work out systems where they can get their fullbacks as high as possible up the pitch silvino asks his fullbacks to stay back as much as possible they literally have a line of four at the back yusuf Koné made one cross in the match that i can remember it was a very very nice cross as well leo dubois who's a very attacking fullback generally didn't get forward at all they they stay solid at the back and instead of the fullbacks getting forward on the right hand side you have bertrand traore who's an old-fashioned winger always looking to cut the ball back onto his left foot, but a crosser of the football. And on the other side, you have Awa diving into this space behind Memphis Depay, which opens up Depay to come inside into the middle and use all his talent. But the thing that impressed me the most about them was that they took their chances. You have players like Depay and Dembele and Awa who take the chances. They're, they were clinical, and that's, that's the difference. When you have a side that wants to win the league
1: or wants to compete... You have to take your chances, and that's what they did. I thought Aouar was um, fantastic in that game. I was watching the Lyon game in particular. I thought the Lyon, uh, the Lyon game and the Barcelona game were happening at the same time on Friday evening. I was watching them both, and obviously everyone in Barcelona is talking about you know Neymar going back there and stuff. And, and it was blatantly obvious to me that the kind of player that Barcelona were missing was somebody a bit like Usem Aouar, with a bit of craft in midfield. And of course, he's been linked with a move there in the past, hasn't he, along with... Uh, so many of these young players who come through at Leon being linked with the big teams in Spain, you do wonder how long Leon will be able to keep hold of him if he, if he plays like this for the whole season. He Just, was fantastic. Uh, Andy,
2: you're you you're you're paid. You're not paid to watch Barcelona. You're paid to watch Liga. Yeah, El. but
1: you know it was uh, it was an evening off, Matt. You know I'm allowed to do a bit of mm-hmm. both, am I not? E- yeah.
4: Equally, I think you talk about our but his he's a good friend of Memphis Depay's off the pitch and on the pitch. That showed the Does two of rap? them were linking... He probably likes rap, probably likes Memphis's rap. Memphis probably likes someone who likes his stuff. <laughs> yeah. anyway. This is a team, by the way, that's been shorn of
2: Ferland Mendy, Tongyan Dombeli yeah. and Nabil Fekir. Some, some people suggesting... And again, it, it's not to, to, to criticise any of these players at all. They've been phenomenal for Leon. I think, all three of them. Um, Fekir's inclusion, he wasn't great last season. And his inclusion kind of makes the 4-3-3 difficult, doesn't it? Because mm. he can't really play out wide. Um, and you don't play with a number 10 in 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 that position others suggesting that perhaps Thiago Mendes is slightly more more simple playing style and you know, Tonki holds on mm. the ball perhaps longer than he should sometimes um and Yusuf Kony settling well at a left back but it even it it just goes to to, to, to show that Silvino as well true He's yeah.
3: another Luca yeah. Tuzar yeah. back starting David and, Crossan's true. favorite player and, well he's another simple player Dave's a very reserved Conservative Englishman who likes those <laughs> players that roll up their sleeves and do the hard work mm. in, in, in midfield. He doesn't like, by his own stiff ad- upper lip admission, he doesn't like an mm. Argentine playmaker, David Cross. But, no. but Tuzar is his type of player. And not to everyone's been singing his praises, and rightly so. But what his biggest contribution to this side is that he allows the Awas, the Depays, the Dembele's, the, the Triores. To, to just do what they want. Mm. He works so hard for them. And that's what you want. Someone that sacrifices himself for these more talented players.
4: I think it was interesting that after the game, Memphis Depay was full of praise for the new coaching team. So let's include Juninho in that for the time being because he's part of the sporting setup. I think when you've got a player like Memphis who can be so talismanic but also can probably drag a team down when he's in a bad place, if you get him playing and linking up with someone like Awa who I mentioned earlier... They get on so well, both on and off the pitch. If you get Memphis playing, your team is going to win games. He can win you big games. Mm. And so far, he's done that. I think Janino has one more thing to do, and that's perhaps just to recommend his barber to Silvino, who's still got a little 2001 tint in hair. Janino
2: looks so. I mean, I'm a Janino fan. He looks so class. He does, doesn't really he? Those like glasses, that beard. The slightly graying hair now and, yeah. the, and, the, and the suit. I mean, nothing. Again, it's not a, not, not a criticism of Bruno Genesio and his slightly like, expanding waistline. But Janinho's fantastic and um, good luck to uh, to Genesio in China by the way. i um, a question from Rodney Marshall at Rodney Marshall 1 on Twitter. Is anybody capable of rivaling PSG this season or will they cruise to another title? He goes on to mention that before Leon's domination, Ligue 1 was so unpredictable. We never knew who was going to be the title winner. So, you know, I'll I'll rephrase it because we're talking about Leon can
4: Leon rival PSG. Um Thursday night, Rodney, I'd have said no, but I think after Friday, you've got to ask yourself some questions now. Over Sounded the, like
2: Delboy there for a minute. That
4: was the plan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, realistically, PSG have the strength in depth to go... To Lyon did the,
3: beat them last year, the first team to beat them, weren't they? The first uh, in
4: league. Yeah, down. they were. But I, And they you could know, do it in the big games. That's that's one game, I think, over the mm. 38, when you've got players like Garner, Gay, Herrera, who weren't even on the pitch against Wren, just, you know, as backup, if you like. That's the sort of squad Uh, that can can win titles. I think it's going to be difficult to rival with them, but we've all got hope now. And let's not forget Nice as well, who haven't made a signing yet, linked with Casper Dolberg this morning. (laughs) Nice have got six points. Yeah, level with Leon, and they've, what, sold most of their squad. So who knows what they've got in store for us. If you're talking
2: about Nice as title
4: contenders, (laughs) I don't think anybody believes that they'd have to have an
2: incredible last (laughs) 10 (laughs) 10 days in the transfer market.
3: Plenty of top-level uh, top experience.
2: I would like to think that Del Boy listens to Le Beaujeu because he he, he he was always you know, a fan of French style and stuff. Mange to Mange to Rodney. Andy. <laughs> yes.
1: Would you agree with Armel? <laughs> oh, can I just, uh, before you go,
4: David Ginola is a big fan of Only Falls and Horses. He revealed uh, this weekend on Twitter. Oh, well, so there you go. There's a French link to Only Falls and Horses for next time. <laughs> um, Sorry, what was the question? I, I, think, I think there I, was a I think, question, honestly, and You
3: just go, just start talking. Le- I'm, a, I'm, I'm yeah. a great believer
4: in teams
2: kind of de- evolving and, and developing and getting that spirit. We saw it with Monaco in, in 2017. And I've just got a feeling that this Lyon side, having lived through quite a bit of frustration, mm. the shackles could be off and we yeah. could have a really exciting season.
1: I, th- I do think that if anybody is going to challenge PSG, it will be Lyon. Um, whether they can do that over the duration of the season... Uh, I think obviously, it's far too early oh, to say. So but it's conservative. Been, but Come on. No, no. I, th- I think I think that I hope that they do. I'm not saying that I hope they win the league. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm completely neutral on that front. But I hope they give them a real challenge. And uh, it's just that I, I mean, we were talking about Ren before. You know, and you were saying it's a shame that they can't be more ambitious, and it really is a shame because I do feel that the, the top three is open to be to, to for the taking this season. But I think that Lyon are the one team who who really can push Paris Saint Germain all the way. I'm I'm sitting opposite Andy, and he's
4: wearing a T-shirt that says "Don't say it. Paris Don't twice say on it and Saint Germain <laughs> twice on it too." So you thought Robbie was bad? Well, Andy's got a PSG T-shirt. It was a t-shirt free T-shirt.
2: Jeffrein Adelaide has come in. and Adelaide couldn't. Oh, if we're going to say it the French way, Jeffrein Adelaide. Couldn't play um, because there was an agreement with Angers. He's just signed for 25 million plus bonuses. Um, it's, it's a lot of money for a guy who's only scored a handful of goals in his career so far. But he, is, he, is, he has definitely taken on a new dimension in the last few months. And it's, a, it's an exciting one. He, I, I think he's going to be a real plus. Um, our, producer, our producer Ian Holymoon, sorry Rob, is, is wondering whether um, we should worry that Moussa Dembele, who's again been linked with a big move, Juventus hovering we know that Man United obviously Man United can't sign him now um, no chance is there that Leon, well, Leon will sell really mad him. to no. let him go he's Jean- their striker Jean-Michel Horace said, can come said off who
3: can, I, I, who can also, play also, that number nine role yeah, who's put in the think air like that
1: Moussa Dembele has got um, form for showing that he has something of a career plan if you like because he stayed at Celtic for um, a certain amount of time before he realised that it was time to move on I mean he could have left interest, Celtic Andy, How did he do against Dundee United? How many how many goals did he score? He didn't get to play against Dundee United because we decided that we didn't want to play in the top division anymore Oh okay um, <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> Purely our choice but uh, you know he, he spent maybe longer at Celtic than some people might have thought that he, that he maybe should have done he moved on when the time was right. And now you just can't see him. I mean, this would be his first proper full season yeah. at Lyon with a pre-season. He, he'll still be there and this Leon, season. And Lyon, no,
2: if he gets 20, 25 goals, then we're not talking 70, 80 million. We're talking perhaps even more than that. Yeah. In the e- summer.
1: Equally, Jean-Michel
4: Aulas says a lot of things, but he did say this week that their summer business is now done. These, yeah. p- these next two weeks, nothing will happen for them. They have Jean-Michel the Aulas they he's
2: never like, done an about-turn or changed his mind <laughs> or, or tweeted something different the next day. Let's, let's move on. It's exciting at the top. It's worrying for some of the other big guns, Marseille included. They played away to Nantes at the weekend and they fired blanks again.
4: From 12 yards, Benedetto blazes over. Not the start to the Marseille career that he would have wanted. High into the Nantes skyline. Back it comes from Rangier. Toure and again Mondander. Steve Mandanda, four or five times in the space of a minute, having to uh, touch the ball away from his goal. And that's that. No time for the corner kick. It will finish goalless between Nantes and Marseille. Armel
2: commentated. Armel Tangi was the the commentator for that one. Uh, just before you give us your thoughts, I've got a question from Eskenda Tamrat on uh, on Twitter. Will
4: OM score a goal this season, Armel? <laughs> judged One on, word. on uh, Dario <laughs> Benedetto's performance on Saturday, I might go with a no. No, they, I
3: think there's a good chance they will score at least once. They, the they probably will score matches. at
4: least once and it probably will come from Dimitri Payet because he was by far and away their best player on the pitch on Saturday. It's, it's strange because I was talking to a friend of mine who's a big Marseille fan who was saying that you know they need to start playing a 4-3-3 and... That comes back to the same problem last season where Pyatt just doesn't fit into it, which is crazy to me, based on Saturday's performance, considering he was by far and away their best player. But on Saturday, they gave their first start to their new number nine. 14 million euro signing from Boca Juniors is exciting, isn't it? He's a striker covered in tattoos. You want him to do big things. He was shocking. Whether that's build-up play or holding the ball up... Someone to be able to be picked out by Payet. His first start.
2: His
3: first start in Liga. He showed... just signed a week ago. There, there was a know. lot of expectation around yeah. him, and perhaps that was
4: too much ill-founded. Too yeah, much, absolutely. You much. shouldn't expect so yeah. much of a player. Gra- coming Granted, from. but and I, I have to say, I saw absolutely no signs of a player capable of offering something. Did you
2: watch Valo German playing up up top on his own the week the week before? Because that was no better.
4: I know he was invisible as well, but he came on for the last seven or eight minutes or so against Nantes and won more headers mm-hmm. than Dario Benedetto had done in the 82 minutes I think. Beforehand. I think
2: just as you were saying, PSG, our reaction, or my reaction might have been knee-jerk. Let's... Okay, he was poor, but let's give
4: Benedetto a little
2: mm. bit more time before we start doing the uh, the Mitroglou comparison. On the bright side, a bit of
3: sympathy for Marseille,
2: Matt, there. A bit of sympathy, okay, and interesting. Benedetto wasn't supposed to take the penalty. That was one of the big talking points. We've seen this with Dimitri Payet. Well, we've seen this kind of very selfless attitude when Mitroglou was struggling last season. Payet, who who set him up quite a lot, and he, he had basically, Payet had an open goal, and he passed to Mitroglou, so Mitroglou could score... And it was similar. He was the designated penalty taker. And at nil-nil against Nantes, he said to Benedetto, this will be good for you, for your confidence. And Andre Villas-Boas was not happy with Payet, was he, Andy?
1: Yeah, well, it backfired. Benedetto missing the penalty might have a big impact on his confidence going forward. But yeah, Village boas Making clear that um, you know Dimitri Payet is supposed to be taking the penalties. That's that's the way it's written down in in their uh, in their setup. And is he and, right to be hammering Payet though? I mean, it's quite a nice thing to do. Yeah, I, I I don't really see the interest in doing that. I mean, in theory, you know, Dario Benedetto should be capable of sticking away a penalty, and Payet, as you say, there's there's reason for him doing that. Um, but yeah, the impact could be um, could be very negative on Marseille going forward because you know. They still haven't got the goal, they still haven't got the win, and, and yeah, it is early days, but it's, it's never anything but a knee-jerk reaction with Marseille, and the pressure is only going to build from here the longer they go on without getting a win.
3: Well, can we have a, a reverse knee-jerk reaction, or one a positive knee-jerk reaction, for the performance of Steve Mondonda, particularly in the second half, because he is a player who's been very severely criticised over the last 12 months, after, after the, the World Cup victory for France last season, one that where people saying it's one season, too many, Luke Stave is part of the yeah, problem. He he's he he's lost the season. captaincy, he's been so poor. Yesterday, he was superb or in, the, in, the, in the match, he was brilliant. And I think that's important that we also say that these players that can come back in this sort of situation and show that they are a, a fine footballer, which Steve Mondonda certainly is, and perhaps didn't deserve all that criticism either.
4: I'd be a bit careful about jerking your knee in the other direction, though. That might be a bit dangerous. Also, a bit of a shame to see a goalless game at La Bourgeois, because today is the 25th birthday of Patrice Loco's brilliant goal against Paris Saint-Germain. That's a famous goal that you see every time the Jeu à la Nantes is mentioned by Matthew Spiro.
2: Yes, we talk a lot about le Jeu à la Nantes, and Christian Gorkouf, the new manager, is a, is a big fan of le Jeu à la Nantes, which, by the way, was a precursor to Barcelona and, and, and everything. The French did it first.
1: Two banks of four...
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's going to take Gorkou for a bit of time I think to get the Le jeu à La Nantes uh, clicking into gear but Nantes and Marseille at least have uh, a point on the board something that Monaco don't have beaten 3-0 by Lyon in uh, round one beaten 3-0 away to Metz at the weekend Ian Holyman saw this one
0: it does strike the hand and it's a penalty and it's in he got a touch did Le but not enough to keep it out. More misery for Monaco, but delight for Metz. Searching ball, and there isn't get, And still, Diallo pounces. And Metz have a 2 0 lead. Here's Sentots. He's going to drop here for Koa! Lovely strike from the veteran, and it's three. And Monaco are in a mess in Mets
2: so another dramatic night another big defeat for Monaco we've had plenty of uh, reaction on Twitter just a reminder you're watching Le Beauje, the official Ligue 1 podcast you can email us listening to what did I say you're watching Well, soon you might be watching as well but at the moment you're just (laughs) listening Um, I've lost my thread but you can email us uh, Ligue 1 podcast at gmail.com whew um Armel tell me tell me about it it was a nightmare for Monaco we saw in the in the first game they had Fabregas sent off in the first half again Ruben Aguilar this time the new signing at right back sent off as well um and they lost
4: not to Leon but to a, a promoted team I loved it visually if you want to see catastrophe happen this is the match you need to watch back pouring rain in Metz like horrible conditions you've got a guy that just played in Seville for a few years making his debut we all know how hot Sevilla's comes over. It's absolutely chucking it down. Nothing he's doing is coming off. This is Wissam Ben Yedder, yeah, of course. I was going to say, you need to maybe for, explain
2: that. 40 million well. euros he yeah. was signed for. Yeah. Big,
4: signing for Monaco. Welcome back to France, Wissam. So it it just it was a pretty horrible evening for Monaco by all accounts. Losing their... New signing Ruben, uh, Ruben Aguilar, Ruben Ben Aguilar, I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> Ruben Aguilar, after 35 minutes of play to a red card, they conceded a penalty after 10 minutes to a debatable VAR handball decision given anyway. So, then you Henry Onyakuru, the... Uh, Nigerian who's just come in didn't make much but of a shouldn't, difference. Shouldn't either. he have
2: had a penalty just before Met scored?
4: So yes, there was a, a challenge. Yeah, that right was up the other end from, yeah, from similar, exactly to the one that Aguilar was sent off for. Exactly. So questions could be asked there, but we're not here to ask questions about the. Well, uh, we can. We can. Uh, I think we can. I think you felt that perhaps the first penalty shouldn't have been awarded. Is that right for I, the handball by Glick? I mean, by the letter of the law, a bit like the penalty that was given for Marseille in Nantes. It did touch the arm, so that's the rule this season. It's a penalty, but Camille Glick, I think, would defensive coaches up and down the country and around the world would have been proud of the way Camille Glick pulled his arms in to jump to try and block the shot. I can't remember who it came in from, but it did strike his arm. There's no doubt about that, but both his forearms were in, in front of his chest, there's not much more you can do, even I as a, a giant.
2: I saw a good comment in, in L'Equipe, or an observation. They said in Monaco's defence, Glick looks too old and Badia Shiel looks too young. And they, they're just kind of struggling to, to get that balance. You say that it raises questions. Arman Khan, um, one of our listeners, um, who's a big Monaco fan, at Arman Monaco, he's sent me five questions. So <laughs> he's got plenty to ask. But very just summing up. Choose um, the best one, Matt. Should Jardim get sacked? Um, no. Should they sign a defensive midfielder and a striker? Um, what do you think of our rumoured targets, Bakayoko, Icardi and Rugani? Um Third question, do Monaco need a sporting di- director after Emanalo's sacking? Since then, recruitment duties have been done by the vice president, Petrov. Could Monaco end up in the Europa League at worst? Um, and who should be the new manager? So uh, yeah, He's going quite far there after a couple of defeats, Andy.
1: Um, yeah, I think it'd be, you know, no, we can't talk about sacking Leonardo Jardim yet but I do think there's going to come a point where people are going to say was it ever a good idea to bring him back mm. um, even if we're not quite at that point yet yes they are looking to strengthen um, in, in the defensive midfield position it looks like Timoe Bakayoko knows that he's not going to get a chance at Chelsea and Monaco were last I heard we waiting for an answer from him on that front obviously in terms of the attack they've just spent big money big money on Wissam Ben Yedder and um, and now we're waiting to see what happens with uh, Radamel Falcao, and if 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 he moves on, then th- there are reports coming out of Italy that Monaco prepared to pay to offer up to 65 million euros for Mauro Icardi, who's been completely frozen out by Inter, who is a fantastic striker, but does have a lot of baggage off the field. But I mean, you know, Monaco keeps signing players, and and they keep not moving forward. There are clear problems there. And I do think that that our listener Armin has touched on something interesting, which is that. Behind the scenes, things are not Mm. the way they were when, of course, as we discussed last week when Luis Campos was being very influential in signing players, now they have real problems. Michael Emanalo's uh, time at Monaco didn't work out. Oleg Petrov has come in and for a man who, my understanding is, doesn't have a big background in football but seems to be in charge of transfers, you know, you have to ask questions. All this big turnover of players, results are not improving and and it is concerning. And you mentioned the... Centre back partnership
4: not quite working. Camille uh, Glick and Benoît are a young guy, but Metz had a boy at the back as well, John Boy.
2: Ah, <laughs> a good one, Amma, But I do want to talk about Metz, perhaps not about John Boy, although he had a John he, Man. He had a solid game. I'd like to talk about Habib Diallo, who scored two more goals, a penalty and a sort of poacher's strike. He's got three now in two Ligue 1 matches. He got 26 in the second tier last season. Um, He's obviously good. He's obviously got an eye for goal. And a team that comes up, so often we've seen in the past, they don't score enough goals and they don't have that goal scorer. Mets Mets are looking good, aren't they? And 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 they've got that.
4: They've got that man who could potentially score, maybe not 20, but 12 to 15 goals. It's good news for them as well because he didn't score a single goal in pre-season and everyone around the club was a bit worried about his capabilities in the top flight. He'd only scored one goal in his previous 20 appearances in Ligue 1, So... I think everyone can be happy to see that they do have a striker who's started the season with confidence. He's level with Depay and Dembele at the top of the scoring charts now on three. So brilliant, another team with a confident striker is good for the league.
3: I think something that's interesting, and we see it every season, not just in France, but in in all other leagues, it's these surprise teams that come up. That, that take the step up from the second division. Yeah, Neiman-Rance last season. Neiman-Rance last season. Here again, Brest are also on four points, I think, if, if memory serves me correctly. Two points. Two points, two draws. So a, a good start for them, a good return to the to the top flight as well. They're, they're sides that opposition teams aren't used to playing against them. They mm-hmm. have this, and no matter what we say, that, yes, they're second division, they've looked at the video, we've seen them play. The players on the pitch remember playing against other teams. And for the moment... They don't have that automatic recollection of playing against mess, of playing these mess players, so they don't know what to expect in terms of reflex, and that means mess like Rance last year, like Nim, like Brest do as well. They have a few months. Yep. The, the trick. Remember when Angers came up and Angers had a fantastic. Although Robbie, season. we
2: all know about Renault Coad because he's played and plenty of top-flight games and he's looking really good, really good. But skipper. they need, he you need the the third those goal. leaders,
3: and you need those yep. players with league experience. They yep. have that. The, the question is. How long can they keep this surprise effect going? Can they keep it all the way through to the end of the first half of the season? Will it run out earlier? Can they even take it a next step a little bit further?
1: Can we just talk a bit about the breast game?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, Andy, you commentated yeah. it. So,
1: um, so this was the body particle between ass and breast. Ass, Saint Etienne, of course. That's how they're known here in France. Against newly promoted You've been Brest. you have desperate to get that out. You? And and <laughs> so ass against breast, featuring the Algerian midfielder Harris Kebler. Who was meant to go to the Africa Cup of Nations in the summer, but didn't? And the reason that he didn't go was because when his teammate Alexandre Ukija, the goalkeeper mm. who plays in France, Mets. was yep. playing, yeah, was playing Fortnite on his computer, uh, on his computer, on his whatever it is that the, the <laughs> young kids play Fortnite on these days, was live streaming it on something called Twitch. I have no idea what that mm. is. Harris Belkebla didn't know that he was live streaming it on Twitch. Came out, took his pants down showed his backside no way yeah so like this you this was being live streamed and as a result of this Harris Bill Kebler was dropped. dropped from the Algeria squad wow for and the African not Cup of a champion Nations champion of Africa
4: so like you he was desperate to get his ass out yes exactly for so they, the so this is.
1: They, so they, exactly i mean you just couldn't make it up <laughs> so there's the link but um so he played in the game that yesterday what was cheeky story Andy. What it a was a cheeky story <laughs> So he played in the game yesterday and the, the Brest goal scored by Julien Foussourier, who's a veteran of Ligue 1. Robbie mm. nodding there, knows him well from his time at Sochaux and elsewhere. Julien Foussourier scoring against Saint-Etienne, born in Lyon, was uh, a Lyon uh, youth team player and uh, played alongside Karim Benzema. He's good pals when with did, When did Robbie Karin play Benzema. for Sochaux? Robbie played for Sochaux alongside uh, I was, I was certainly a
3: football journalist during Sochaux's glory years. There you go. Back in yeah. Back in the 2000s, even qualifying for European football. There you go.
1: So, 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 yeah, so Julien Fosserie is scoring for Brest and uh, a good result for them, even if they uh, conceded a late equaliser against Saint-Étienne.
3: The Algerian connection, perhaps Andy Delors scoring a fantastic goal at the weekend, a, a fantastic build-up as well. Perhaps he was only called up to the Algerian side via that uh, ancestral link to a, to a grandmother, I think it was. <laughs> Al- Algerian connection to what? To, the, to Algeria. <laughs> <laughs> or Andy Delors but a fantastic goal set up by Gaetan Labord, brilliant cross it was a, a brilliantly worked goal and uh, yes Andy I've a got a question how was I've got two questions Josh Major scoring for Bordeaux the about Saint-Étienne sorry yeah. Robbie yeah. back to serious stuff
2: Miguel Trauco Miguel Trauco yeah. Trauco who Peruvian was the Peruvian left back voted best left back in the, uh, the Copa America yep. the Peruvian had a great tournament made his debut that's one of my questions go on mm-hmm. answer that is one is that first. a question no how sorry how did he do <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was his debut against he was a press. statement. Yeah, he, he was, I mean, he was, uh, he was fine. I mean, nothing spectacular. It wasn't a great performance from Saint-Étienne, really. I think uh, they deserved to get something from the game, but a draw was the right okay, result. Okay, next question. Wabi Kasri is getting some stick.
2: Yeah. He was brilliant in the first half of last season. His form has... Tail dipped off quite other. considerably mm. and people were saying he was a bit nonchalant and the, the fans are getting yeah. getting on his back yeah. a bit. I
1: mean, I think one one thing's important to mention with Kazri, which is that obviously like a lot of players, he's come back late or come back from Africa Cup of Nations, hasn't had much of a holiday. Tunisia went quite far into the competition. But the other thing is that he's only scored one goal since January and that was a penalty. So, yeah, there is there are concerns there.
2: We're going to wrap up, but we've got two segments. We're not just like, you know, this is not just things we're adding on. These are, these are very much part of the podcast. A new segment called Made in Ligue 1, where we talk about somebody who's doing well abroad. So many Ligue 1 talents, in particular, in the Premier League. Good start for Tonghi and Dombelli at Tottenham. Scored what was the winner, I believe, in Tottenham's first game against Southampton. And set up one against Man City Villa. in the in the 2-2 draw. Uh, Lucas Moura as well scored a, another one. Tonghi and Dombelli scoring goals and making goals. Is that something... You were expecting because
1: we didn't see much yeah, of that in Liga. I was going to say it was Aston Villa, they played an the opening day of the season, well and uh, yeah, Ndumbele scoring surprised me because he got a couple of goals in the Champions League for Lyon, didn't he? But there was did he ever score a goal in league? He it may have scored kind of one. Came towards off the his end. shin on
4: the final day. Yeah, and, and he hit the bar at the Parc He Famously de with hit the bar at the Parc des
1: France with that wonderful performance uh, just after he joined Lyon. Great marauding midfielder who never managed to add goals to his game. And suddenly, English viewers will have this idea that Tongi and Dombele is this prolific goal-scoring midfielder, which he may go on to become in England. But it's certainly a, a side to his game that he's been needing to. It's also to easier. Improve upon.
2: This, is, this is what people don't understand. It's also easier to score goals in England than it is in France. <clears throat> Try telling farmers Moose league Soko that. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, the games can be a bit more open.
1: France, there, they're very organised, very tactical. Can I, sorry, can, can I just ask a quick question, please? So, farmers league, why? What is the what is the connection? No idea, and I don't. I give <laughs> no credence no to it. I
2: don't. For me, it's not bizarre. It's not. It's it's it's. it's I don't know. It's people. I guess it's a load of crop. adolescents on Twitter trying to trying to trying to rile people like you and me, Andy. Load Fair of enough. crop. And they will not <laughs> succeed. God.
1: Yeah, Good exactly.
2: shout, Armel. You saved the best till last. Um, a bit of a strange bon voyage this week because we've got a strange weekend coming up. Just the uh, four matches on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then we've got three delayed matches. Tuesday, the 27th, Montpellier-Lyon. Wednesday, the 28th, Lille-Saint-Étienne-Nice-Marseille. That's uh, it's a big one. Let's go on a little trip. Let's, uh, let's take you... To a beautiful place in August, where the sun might be shining.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose the uh, red wine derby between Dijon and Bordeaux in Burgundy, uh, lovely part of the world, of course. Dijon famous for its uh, Burgundy reds, Bordeaux. Very famous for its red wine down there in Bordeaux. Is so this y purely a Ed,
2: football decision, Andy, or a, it's purely
1: factors? purely a wine-based decision <laughs> and mustard-based decision as well. Get yourself to to Dijon snails, and uh, snails, enjoy amazing. the the cuisine and the the lovely wine, and then get yourself along to the Stade uh, Gaston Girard for the game in the evening between uh, Dijon and uh, Paulo
2: Souza's to see if Bordeaux. Yeah, to see if Josh Maggia the Englishman, can yes. score again. He scored against Montpellier in the 1-1 draw last weekend.
3: Just a very quick one then. I will obviously already be at the Parc des Princes, where I will be on Sunday night for the match against Toulouse, because, and an interesting fact, the last time Paris lost the league, they started with a couple of very early defeats, one against Monaco, and then a 3-1 loss at Toulouse, uh, which uh, saw Monaco go on to a real title. They they lost to Toulouse. Before
2: we go, we've talked about wine derbies. We've talked about the uh, body partico. Coming up we're going to have the Sosico, which I'm very excited about because Strasbourg have been drawn to play Frankfurt in the, uh, in the Europa League. I mean, that is some derby, isn't it?
1: You imagine the, uh, the pre-match food. That's oh, going to be fantastic, yeah. And I, I, I can only mustard. imagine how many Germans are going to make the trip across uh, to the Stade de la Maino on Thursday. It's going to be some atmosphere there. They're a to a very tough tie for Strasbourg as well. Yeah, it should yeah. be good.
3: It and uh, be good. Frankfurt fans have uh, strong links with certain French supporters as well. I can't quite remember which supporter well, groups Strasbourg
4: a link to Karlsruhe, who okay. don't get on with Frankfurt. Okay, so, so it could be interesting. Uh, yep. Stra- but
2: okay. just to finish, uh, we've got to finish. We, we, we've been very long this week, but Stras- Strasbourg
3: sausages are better than Frankfurters.
2: Now, I mean, does anyone like Frankfurters? Of course they
1: are. Yeah? Of course they're better,
3: yeah. Well, the Germans do do a good curry currywurst, yep. I have to say. But Thank yeah, you for sausage following
2: salad. Sausage Weekly, also known as Le Bourge, the official league 1 podcast from Andy Thompson. No, <laughs> from Andy, <laughs> Andy Scott. And oh, it's all going wrong. From Andy Scott, Robbie Thompson, Armel Tanguy and me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. We'll see you again soon. See you later.
4: Bye.